KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. California will be under a mandatory curfew starting tomorrow night. State officials imposed the curfew because of a rapid rise in COVID-19 cases. Dr. Mark Golley is the California Health and Human Services Secretary. COVID goes from zero to 60 miles per hour very quickly. We're in a place today, but that can rapidly change. But further restrictions is what we hope to avoid. The halt to non-essential work, movement, or gatherings between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. applies to all counties in the purple tier, including San Diego. The order will take effect at 10 p.m. Saturday, November 21st, and remain in effect until 5 a.m. December 21st. San Diego County Sheriff Bill Gore says his deputies are going to start enforcing COVID-19 restrictions countywide. Gore says so far, police departments in Oceanside, Carlsbad, Chula Vista, Coronado, and the city of San Diego have all agreed to support enforcement efforts. But city officials in El Cajon say they're not planning to enforce restrictions. We would like to get compliance from all our chiefs, but if if they're not going to join with us in in enforcement actions, if that becomes necessary, we will uh, uh, issue those citations uh, uh, by ourselves without their assistance. The county says the goal isn't to be punitive. They're only going after blatant and willful violators of the public health orders. Just this week, more than three dozen cease and desist letters were sent to eateries, gyms, and other businesses still open for indoor operations. It's Friday, November 20th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. As some COVID-19 vaccine candidates show promise, San Diego County is working on how it would distribute a vaccine if one got emergency approval. But KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento tells us the county is challenged by many unknowns. Officials say they're still waiting on details about what vaccine may be approved and when. But San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says they are planning for every scenario and how to get that information out. Brainstorming possible logistical arrangements, storage facilities, other types of things we could need. Uh, Planning out a robust communications effort to engage with the public uh, when appropriate about who is eligible and where they can go and how that might work. Fletcher says a county clinical advisory group will begin meeting after Thanksgiving and they are also developing community working groups. State and federal guides direct counties to identify high-risk populations that may be first in line for any emergency authorized product. Initial doses will be limited. Taryn Mento, KPBS News.
About a month ago, a 39-year-old Mexican citizen who was in mental distress was shot and killed by a San Diego police officer. KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler tells us his widow is now beginning the long legal process of trying to hold the city accountable. Legal permanent resident Jose Castro Gutierrez was panicking and confused a month ago when he asked his neighbors to call the police. He ran out of his home asking for help and holding a shower curtain rod, and within seconds, a police officer killed him. Now his widow, Ana Ojeda, is filing a claim against the city, a first step in an eventual lawsuit. We demand justice to clarify the excessive use of force used by the police, and we are here to seek and reflect on other ways to attend mental illness crisis without having to resort to death. The San Diego Police Department told KPBS Thursday that there are no new updates on the case at this time. It's currently being reviewed by the police department, its homicide unit, and the district attorney's office. Max Adler, KPBS News. San Diego County supervisors are under fire after they voted to approve the controversial OTI 13 housing development this week. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. Supervisors voted 4-1 to one to approve the Otay Ranch Village 13 project. Developers hope to build close to 2,000 homes on undeveloped land east of Chula Vista. Critics say the project is wrong for the county. Housing policy advocate J.P. Theburge says the Board of Supervisors may be pushing to act before the new board takes effect in January. That could mean pending changes in the nearby Otay 14 project get approved, allowing developers to build on preserved habitat basically swapping lower quality land, uh, habitat land for preserved land that's already been preserved in perpetuity. The Burge says those issues aren't settled. The state attorney general, meanwhile, has spoken out and may challenge the developments over safety and climate concerns. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. A coalition of local Latinx elected officials and community leaders want Governor Gavin Newsom to appoint a Latinx man or woman to replace Kamala Harris in the U.S. Senate. KPBS's Jacob Ayer reports. When Vice President-elect Kamala Harris leaves her Senate seat in January, local leaders like Chula Vista Mayor Mary Salas want Governor Newsom to appoint a Latino or Latina to replace her. And it's only through having representation that represents the demographics of this state will we get equity. And so, Governor Newsom, if you're listening to this, do the right thing. California has never had a Latino to represent the state in the U.S. Senate. Latinos currently make up nearly 40% of the state's population. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. The Exorcist movie is nearly 50 years old, yet it still ranks as one of the films that most scares audiences. Leap of Faith is a new documentary that explores the making of the film with its director, William Friedkin. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando says it's a deep dive into the filmmaking process. This is Bill Friedkin, day one, take one. Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, is essentially a hundred minutes of the director talking about himself and the making of his 1973 film. Everything has to do with the mystery of fate or faith. And The Exorcist is about the mystery of fate. I knew exactly how I wanted to make it. I marked up my own copy of 
the hardcover. I didn't want any backstory, no flashbacks, just a straight-ahead story that was done as realistically as possible. Realism in a film about demonic possession was a clever approach, and Friedkin is quick to take credit for that. He has a big ego, but it's backed by remarkable talent and the ability to dissect his own work in intricate detail. He's an articulate artist who can explain how the lighting in a painting influenced a shot in his film, or how he used sound design to build tension. If you can put up with his arrogance, then you'll get amazing insight into his filmmaking process and a new appreciation for The Exorcist. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Coming up on the podcast, certain airlines and airports are creating bubbles for travelers. The idea is to allow you to travel thanks to pre-flight coronavirus testing. Health officials are encouraging people to stay put, but we're seeing the TSA and airports around the country are preparing for an uptick in passengers. That story next after this break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say you shouldn't travel for Thanksgiving. Still, places like Alaska and Hawaii are allowing people who test negative for COVID-19 to avoid quarantine. Lori Aratani writes about travel for The Washington Post. She spoke with Midday Edition co-host Mark Sauer about how certain airlines and places have created pre-flight coronavirus testing. Here's that interview. Through much of the pandemic, air travelers were required to quarantine upon arrival if allowed to travel at all to many destinations. Explain what's happening in the U.S. and around the world now with the advent of this travel bubble. How does it work? So now that there's a wider availability of different kinds of tests that give more rapid results, a lot of countries are leaning on testing as a way to sort of pre-screen travelers that come in from other places. In the U.S., this really kicked off in October. Um, Alaska had had a system in place where if you arrived in Alaska from out of state, you could test. And if you tested negative, you could skip the 14-day quarantine. Hawaii, which, as you know, really depends on tourism, but has been shut off from much of this pandemic, decided in October that they would have a similar program in place. And so United, American, Hawaiian, Alaska Airlines are among the airlines that sort of created these testing programs where if you book a ticket on that airline to head to Hawaii, you can test beforehand. If your test results are negative, then you don't have to abide by the 14-day quarantine. It's becoming a popular alternative. Um, Health experts say, you know, it adds another layer to this concern about travel. They still encourage you to wash your hands, wear masks, social distance. I think one of the concerns about having testing in place is that people might think, oh, I've tested negative, I'm fine. But they emphasize that it's not foolproof, that, you know, the testing is only a point in time. And so even if you test negative on Tuesday, you're not necessarily guaranteed. So I think in Hawaii, in some instances, they may have folks that come uh, from the mainland test twice. 
And a lot of countries around the world are doing this. About 120 requires some type of testing before you, you'll be admitted to the country. Um, some of them will waive quarantine requirements. Others, you'll still have to quarantine. And who pays for the testing? In most cases, it's the traveler. I suppose insurance might, but I don't know insurance would be inclined to pick up the tab. So in most cases, it's the traveler. Um, I think the tests range from 55 to $250, depending on where you're testing and um, what type of test you're taking. There are a few airports, LaGuardia Airport and Oakland International up in Northern California are actually offering free coronavirus testing. So in that case, you don't have to pay for it. And what about air travel to Mexico? A lot of folks here, obviously, uh, so close to the border go up and down to Mexico in normal times. What are the restrictions there? So Mexico is an interesting case, and it has actually become one of the more popular destinations because there is no testing requirement. There is no quarantine requirement. It's interesting because there is an agreement in place between the U.S. and Mexico that they're restricting all non-essential travel, but clearly looking at where airlines are flying and where the passengers are going, there are folks that are clearly going to Mexico probably for leisure travel and probably not for business. So those restrictions on essential travel only to and from Mexico seem not to be being enforced, right? Yeah, that lo- it looks like that. Just looking looking at the numbers, you know, airlines are being very choosy about where they add flights because they don't want to be flying empty planes. And, and Mexico is definitely one of the destinations that they're adding to. So even though there's this agreement, I think it's set to expire on the 21st. So I think that's this week. I don't know if it'll be renewed, but non-essential travel is discouraged both to Mexico and to Canada, but clearly people are going. And how badly has the domestic and international air travel industry been hit in the past 10 months or so by this pandemic? Oh, the airline industry has lost billions. And as you know, when the money from the CARES Act ran out, at the end of September, tens of thousands of airline workers lost their jobs. There was a slight uptick in sort of the July, August, but now that we're sort of entering this third wave in the U.S., you're starting to see the passenger numbers go down. So domestic travel is down about 64% compared to this time last year, and international travel has taken an even bigger hit. It's down 74% um, compared to the same time last year. Thanksgiving will be interesting. The holiday period will be interesting. As you know, health officials are encouraging people to stay put, but we're seeing, I think, the TSA and airports around the country are preparing for an uptick in passengers. I don't know that there will be a huge number of people, but there are probably going to be more people traveling than really have been since this all started. And what do airline and travel officials say about how well the travel bubble idea is working? How much can it help the bottom line? Well, uh, the Hawaii travel has really given, and you have to keep it in perspective, the volumes are so low that even a slight uptick looks like a huge bump on the graph. But Hawaii opened up, I think, October 15th, and United Airlines said that they saw their bookings almost double from the previous two weeks. And other airlines said something similar. Alaska Airlines um, said that testing has proved really popular. About 85% of the people that are flying from Alaska to Hawaii are opting to test. And they said by, I think by mid-October, all the testing appointments had been taken up through November. So you are seeing a slight bump in some areas. We may see a slight bump around this Thanksgiving time period, we'll have to see. But travel is still going to be down dramatically from what it 
what it has been air travel at least i i don't looks as if there will be fewer people traveling by car but it looks like if people are going to travel most are opting to go by car so passengers air passengers are, are taking to this what about public health experts how effective do they say pre-flight testing can be after all there are false negative results Exactly. And that's one of the things they caution. You'll hear airlines talk about this multi-layered approach, right? They're doing enhanced deep cleaning. Flight attendants tell me the planes have never been cleaner than they are now. There's social distancing, you know, there are all these layers and testing is another layer that adds to sort of the hope that you won't either catch the virus or spread the virus, but it's not foolproof because as you know, testing is only a point in time. Um, So they still caution that people should social distance, wear masks, wash your hands, all these things. I think public health, health experts would prefer to see people still quarantine, but testing, I think the at least the aviation industry, the travel industry sees as maybe testing as a way to sort of strike a balance between, you know, reopening the economy and preventing the spread of the virus. But as with anything, they caution even the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention caution that any travel, there is a risk, right? It's not just when you're on the airplane, you have to think of your journey, right? It's the full journey. It's getting to the airport. It's passing through the airport. It's going through TSA security. I mean, that's one of the things about airports is it brings together a lot of people who aren't related, don't know each other, may not have spent time. So they really encourage people that if you really are going to travel and have to travel, just keep in mind all these protocols that they've been emphasizing all through this pandemic. That was Lori Aratani of The Washington Post speaking with Midday Edition co-host Mark Sauer. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.